Okay. How do we want to? How do we want to intro this? I feel like we always just say hi. I'm Brian. Hi, I'm John. We need something new. You want to? You want to try to go like what's up? Uh, no, let's okay. not. Let's not do that. I don't know. Nostalgia, man. Not good nostalgia though. All right, <laughs> we just go into like right into the song, I guess. Right? Yeah, we totally can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's the song. Bam. You're listening to the Big Balance. The podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. Since we all last got together, last episode was all about actually taking the vacation days that we earn, and John decided to actually live that, and uh, for the past week has been on vacation. John, how has your vacation gone? It was lovely. It was much needed. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. It was nice to get away and just unplug. Yeah, no, we didn't record an episode last week either, so it was it was nice to take a break from all things, all hobbies. Are you saying you're tired of me? Work. Is that what you're trying to say right now? No, not at all. I hope not. <laughs> this is the majority <laughs> of my social life these days, and isn't that a little bit sad? <laughs> where'd, you guys, where'd you guys go? We went to Ocean City, New Jersey. So Rachel's aunt has a place there, so we, we get to stay in the family house. And we actually ventured out into Strathmere, Sea Isle City, and then also Margate. So explored all of the different shore points that I've never explored before. So it was really nice. And for those of you not familiar with New Jersey, Ocean City is a dry beach, which is, which is f- why we went everywhere else. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the first <laughs> sign John's getting old as he goes on a vacation on a dry beach. But that's okay. And I actually really like Ocean City, so... Uh, no complaints it's, here. It's a good beach. You can bring alcohol onto the island. You just can't buy it there. Exactly. So you always come prepared, and then you realize halfway through that you didn't bring enough. Right. So you just go right outside of the city, <laughs> whether that's the circle or the the super liquor or whatnot. So it's within driving distance. Yeah, you want to talk about side hustles, having a, uh, an alcohol establishment right off of Ocean City great gig to have because it's like right like you hit a line and then it's like bar uh liquor store it's like you know you're outside of the the limits well i'm going to be going on vacation myself so i'm also going to be heeding our i I don't want to call them words of wisdom because now it sounds like I'm, i'm patting ourselves on the back here but i will be going on vacation next week and my goal is to really live some of the things that we talked about uh on that triage vacation episode And one of those things is really considering where I am and and where my career is right now, really taking a step back when I'm not in the office to really think heavily about what I'm doing and is it the right thing for me and what my plans in life are. And that's what I want to talk about a bit more today as well. For all the turmoil and uncertainty in this economy, one thing many experts agree on is this. As far as the job market's concerned, it's a seller's market. What does this mean for any job seekers? Depending on your industry and skill set, you might have your pick of jobs and a pay bump to boot. This is a big deal for us since work is half of the work-life balance. And if you want to make some changes, now might be the time to do so.
So to kick this topic off, I want to talk a little bit about myself, and I feel like I do that basically every episode, so nothing really new there. <laughs> what is this other than talking about ourselves? <laughs> this is just learning more about Brian that nobody asked, but uh, I'm, I'm that guy at the uh, cocktail party, apparently. <laughs> but uh, anyway... But uh, I'm one of those people who entered the job market right before the 2008 market crash. So I graduated in 06. Life was good for about, I don't know, a year and a half. And then, obviously, the bottom fell out of the housing market. Plenty of other things went wrong from there. And anybody who was at or anywhere around the job market in 2008 knows wasn't necessarily the best time to be entering the workforce or be basically pretty green in my career. Anybody who is in my age group knows we're supposed to be in our peak career years now and boom we're slapped with yet another economic challenge and we saw a bunch of layoffs and hiring freezes a year ago due to the pandemic. Now, one thing that I think applies to pretty much anybody in my age group, including myself, is we assume that there's going to be a certain amount of job insecurity and uncertainty in the market. Now, what does that mean? Well, in one way of thinking about it, I might say, hey, if I have a good job, maybe I want to hang on to that, right? Because you never know what could happen tomorrow. And I don't, John, you're a little bit younger than me. Do you have that same apprehension thinking about job changes or, or where are you in your age group at? I was just finishing up high school right around 2008. So I saw the tangential effects, I guess. I wasn't really in the job market just yet, but I know that that maybe influenced and colored some of my decisions going into college. I would say that, yeah, there's a part of me that's still kind of apprehensive about making those career jumps that we're kind of expected to at my age group. I, I think I'm right beneath you in terms of those peak career years, so I'm still trying to find my footing a little bit. But that said, that's totally coloring my decision-making a majority of the time. That's an interesting thing, going into college, knowing what the job market might look like when you're heading out of it a few years later might be a bit daunting as well. So yeah, I was at least ignorant <laughs> in college of what was around the corner. You saw it coming head on. Yeah, I made the decision that teaching was a pretty uh, solid career and that that shouldn't be too influenced by any recession or anything like that. And then I realized about a year and a half in that I had no desire to actually teach. I took my first child psychology class and I said, nope, not for me. See you later. Yeah, and, and we talked about that. What was that? Like episode two, three? I, I've, limitless respect for teachers when you have a bunch of kids who just feel like you're the, the warden of the jail that they can't leave. So much respect to teachers, definitely. Yeah, we're a teacher-friendly pod, to, to yes, requote myself. <laughs> I actually did say that last time, yes. too, yeah. So I, I think sometimes holding on to a gig can be bad, despite my own apprehensions and my own worries about uncertainty. Uh, sometimes we see there's a pretty abrupt change that makes this very clear. If you have new leadership coming in, or maybe an acquisition brings about massive change to your organization's culture, that's very, very apparent and can lead to things going downhill very fast. Other times, it can be a really slow decline, and we don't even see it happening on a day-to-day -day basis. In a previous job of mine, changes in leadership and culture shifted really, really slowly, but over the years, eventually I recognized that it was becoming kind of a toxic work environment and, and one that I didn't want to be in, 
but it barely registered until the end. And I always compare it to the story of how do you boil a frog? You do it slowly, right? You put a frog in a boiling pot of water. He hops around trying to get out, raise the temperature really slowly. He doesn't even notice it's happening. And that's what happened to me and a lot of my coworkers until we eventually snapped out of it and left. Skinning cats, boiling frogs, you're chock full of them, Brian. I am indeed. But sometimes that economic turmoil works to our advantage as well. If the job market really is a seller's market like we're talking about, finding a job might be relatively easy for everybody out there. Now's the time to reflect on how do we really feel about our current roles? Maybe is now the right time to consider making that change. There are plenty of guides out there about how to be a good interviewee if that's the choice that we make, but what about the other end of that equation, right? How can we interview prospective employers to make sure they fit our needs? Now, if you're out there listening to this podcast, I would imagine that's because you do put some value behind the work-life balance that you've cultivated, or maybe you feel like it's something that you need to do better. So for all of those people, it doesn't make sense to think about interviews as just a chance to sell yourself to an organization. This is a chance for the organization to prove to you, the job seeker, that they're right for you as well. So let's think about that. Folks are listening because we're interesting, Brian, not because we're offering any insight. That's that's. Let's get one thing straight. It's your buttery smooth. Actually, that's a good note. And I I think, John, I mentioned this to you, but... uh, Anybody out there who either has a toddler or who remembers Dora the Explorer, listen to some episodes where John has that gravelly quality in his voice, and then listen to Benny the Cow from Dora the Explorer. John, you're basically the voice actor for Benny the Cow. You were supposed to put together, I think you said you were going to pitch shift it or something like that. Oh, that's a great, I'm going to see if I can do that. I might might have to go back. It's going to be a bonus episode. (laughs) You know what? Walk us through the process and how you pitch shifted it and be like, and today I'm going to walk us through an audacity <laughs> tutorial. I'm not a sound engineer, but here's my uh, here's my, my co-host sounding like Benny the Cow from Dora the Explorer. Here's what my co-workers sound like, Benny the whoever, <laughs> Benny the uh, Cow. Okay, well, anyway, before we actually start talking about what we can do to better vet companies that we're considering applying to. The first thing I want to do is really go into the thought process around why we should look around as well. And I I think this is something that a lot of people don't necessarily do enough of. And I'll I'll put, uh, I guess, two groups into that bucket. First, obviously, if somebody's lost their job, got laid off, got let go, you're just looking for any raft to hang on to financially because We all need a job, right? Or if you are in one of those organizations that either very quickly or slowly became toxic, you're not necessarily thinking about the fire you're jumping into. You're just thinking about getting out of the frying pan. Now, in neither of these situations are we necessarily thinking really deeply about what a new gig means to us. We're just leaping before we really look. So I want to try to avoid that in this conversation. The frog metaphors, the the frog imagery yeah, well, is strong. I'm doing a lot of frog stuff. Of- Leaping. I thought that was great. If you, if you had scripted that on purpose, Brian, good on I you. I did not, but this is a very amphibious episode, apparently. 
don't know. <laughs> I, I that's and I think that's all I got. Slip tadpole in there somewhere. Just yeah. <laughs> find. Are way. there any other frog meta? What other frog metaphors are there? I, mean, I can't even think of any. Ooh, I can think of oh, what's uh, what's the frog? Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello. It's something. Oh, gym. the Warner Brothers yeah. frog. I think we might get sued for that. Though is that copyrighted? What, what is it, babe? Michigan J. Is that our, is that the that's third what, co-host that's, that's behind the scenes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rachel is the third co-host, like off mic, just yelling. Like, I just, I just, I just picture her sitting on the couch, like ten feet from you, like I'm so tired of listening to these two. She's just like Michigan J. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can think of any Michigan J metaphors, by all means, throw them in, or have Rachel join in the conversation. I'll she put them in too. Yes, yes, but. Anyway, moving to a new job is the best way to ensure a pay increase. And if we're looking around, that's probably in the top of many people's minds. New employers are more likely to give you a bump in pay for a couple big reasons. One, when you think about the employer you're already working for, hey, they already have you there. So the impetus is on you to prove whether you're worth more than the cost of living adjustment that they would otherwise probably give you. Now compare this to an organization that has an open and therefore unfulfilled need that has to get filled. They see a definite gap and if your skill set fits, they're gonna put a lot more value on you than your current employer might. Second, your skill set's gonna develop a lot faster than your job title does. Everybody is familiar with taking on newer, bigger responsibilities every so often, but reviews for promotions happen at a much slower pace. So it's better to take those skills to an org that has fresh eyes on you to really value those skills in real time. Now, beyond pay and true to this show, work-life balance should probably factor in as well. We already talked about a toxic work environment. Even if you were once happy, maybe something changed. Maybe it's not the company that you thought you worked for anymore. Or maybe you changed. Maybe this work-from-home world agrees with you, and you don't necessarily want to go back to an office, yet your current employer wants to have butts in seats, and maybe you need to look for an org that's embracing that distributed remote work a bit more. One thing to consider, whether it's a new job or you're just meeting somebody for the first time, more often than not, when you're comfortable with somebody, your true self shows, and sometimes you let your guard down, and sometimes we let folks see some of those not so great qualities about ourselves. And I think the same is true about an organization. So making that move somewhere else, whether it's a short-term fix or a, you know, a bandaid over a, you know, a larger wound, you're going to feel better in the short term if you do look elsewhere. So I don't know if that's a cynics approach or if that's just me being overly optimistic and naive, but to your point and to answer your question, you're probably going to feel better and more appreciated, at least in the early stages going somewhere else. I think that's a really good point across the board whether it's a personal relationship or a professional relationship with your boss feeling appreciated is important right and I, I personally John you know this I am a very externally validated person I like being told hey you did a good job you know it makes me feel good to know that same yeah same absolutely and you know the, the boss you've worked for for months years for some people potentially decades maybe they don't necessarily they value you certainly they they see the good job you're doing but maybe they don't recognize that as often as they used to and maybe they're so used to you being there doing the job you're doing they're taking you a bit for granted no i think that's a, a definitely valid reason to maybe feel like hey 
if I can go somewhere else that values me a bit more, that's probably a good thing. And again, not to tie everything back to money. Money's not the most important thing, but certainly it's a factor. If they're not showing that appreciation to you regularly, you have to ask yourself, are they recognizing that? And if they're not, am I going to get stagnated in my wages because of that, right? If I'm just viewed as a fixture of an organization and don't go anywhere, they might not have much of an impetus to promote me or give me that raise that I want or need. Consider this your reminder to tell that loved one, spouse, significant other, friend that you appreciate them. Rachel's on the couch 10 feet. There you go. Perfect. It's the love episode. There you go. What was the last kind thing Rachel said about you, John? The last kind... uh, Rachel's very kind to me every day. So she tells me nice... pleasantries all throughout the day. I I feel almost like cheesy doing it, but for example, my wife will just small things like empty the dishwasher and I'll go into the kitchen thinking I'm about to do that, see it's empty and I'll just go, thank you for emptying that dishwasher. I'll just be filled with gratitude. She's like, what what is your problem? Why are you being weird right now? (laughs) I just just did it. Just relax, bro. It's just just a dishwasher. (laughs) Calm down. No, no. You're freaking me out. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it's nice to be appreciated, and I like to show people that I appreciate them as well. Absolutely. I think, John, you you yourself, I think you edited an episode particularly well, and I just had to send you a text message saying, good job on that. I don't even know if you're like, why is he texting me this at 11 at night? No, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I was half asleep at that point. Um, (laughs) So at that point, I I don't respond right away, but I do appreciate those little little thank you notes. And I think everybody does. So I hope so. This is your reminder. Yeah, this is your reminder. Tell, Tell your loved ones. If you don't do it now, you got no one to blame but yourself. There you go. So now those are a couple of reasons I can think of that we want to potentially go and look around or at least understand our rationale for thinking we need to. They may resonate with you out there. Maybe you have some other reasons. Uh, I can't necessarily say what everybody's reasons can or should be, but definitely think long and hard about not just that you want to leave the org you're with, but what do you want to move to? Now, after the break, we're going to come back and do a little bit of a self-inventory to figure that out. And we're also going to figure out some research and some things we can do to learn more about the orgs that we're applying to, to make sure they're a good fit for us just as much as we are for them. So we've decided that maybe now is the right time to think a bit more about the companies we work for and maybe is this the right time to leave. So the first thing I would suggest we do is a little bit of a self-inventory, right? What's making us want to look around and what kind of organization can help? Now pay is an easy one and we talked about it before the break, so I'm not going to go there again, but let's go to the next one. We hinted at this a bit. Maybe you're not feeling fulfilled. And fixing that problem may or may not be an org shift. 
Maybe there's something you can pivot to in the organization you're working for, maybe a different role within the same company if that's not a toxic company. You know, maybe you like your coworkers, maybe you like the environment, but the role you're playing right now isn't as fulfilling now as it had been before. It might be worth the effort to see if there's anything else we can do within our organizations. Always a good first step to see what the internal job board or job postings have available, especially Brian, like you said, if you like your coworkers, it may mean not working with them directly anymore. But if it's the people who you enjoy in the company or the organization isn't too toxic, yeah, go for it. Definitely. Always a good first step. Now, if things are really bad, you may just be trying to get away. And just like I mentioned before the break, I am very much against this because it's a really reactionary move. A few episodes ago, I had talked about my wife's previous job where everybody had an anywhere but here mentality towards the end and people just en masse left. Now, the organization she jumped from and jumped into were very similar roles. Now, if that's a role that she enjoys, that could be fine. But if the problems that she has are with the job, not the company... Jumping to a new company but the same role isn't going to solve any problems. And we have to think really deeply about that. And that's something I think is a little bit hard. You know, if you're in a job, you're in an industry, maybe for years, it can be really hard to think about where and how do I want to pivot? Are there new careers out there that I can jump to? Especially if, you know, like me, I'm not an old guy, but I'm, I'm getting there a little bit. Uh, is it going to be possible for me to even make a career change without having a really big impact on my earning potential. Definitely something to think about. If you find yourself frustrated or disappointed in the way that the job was sold to you versus the work you're actually doing, use that in your job search as well. So an example I can give, if you were told that you were going to be doing a certain type of work and then six months down the road, your job role has shifted a little bit, consider that when you start looking elsewhere and ask certain questions that might indicate red flags for the future. Because that's one thing that I could see when it comes to fulfillment or maybe satisfaction from your career is feels like you've been sold a false bill of goods a little bit. So keep that in mind when you're going through the interview process and try to consider certain questions that might be able to peel back those layers a little bit and ask the right question. And that's actually a good bit of research you can do as well, right? So if you're looking at a job posting and you see the description of this role that you're potentially going to apply to, Let's compare that role to other companies hiring for the same thing. And you're probably doing this anyway, right? Looking for a company to work for. How similar are those roles to each other? And if one has a lot more of a varied or, or wider approach to the things you'll be doing, to John, your point, maybe it's because they're, they're not really that confident in, in what they know the role to be. And that might be a red flag that there could be a lot of shifting and churning in your responsibilities, which may be a good thing, but may also be a very bad thing. Ask how new the team is. Ask how long the certain manager has been you know, overseeing the team. Look for signs that this is maybe a new or burgeoning type of team that they're trying to trailblaze a little bit. These are things to consider because while they may sound exciting and like great opportunities to get in on the ground floor, it may also be indicative of a you know, a larger narrative that's a little bit a little bit less pretty. I think the key to what you're, and I agree with you completely, but I think the key to remember is it's not just enough to ask an interviewee these questions. We have to ask the right questions as well. And what I mean by that is 
anybody can ask the question, hey, what's your culture like, or are you a meritocracy, right? Meritoc- everybody wants to be a meritocracy. Everybody wants to work for a meritocracy. Anybody can say yes to that question, and in an interview, you can't really validate that, right? A better question to ask, who does the interviewer think is the best success story in that organization for rising through the ranks? Have them tell you about that person. You know, Beyond that person, how many people are similar? How many people are promoted from within versus hired into a managerial role from the outside? These are questions that actually point blank get to the issue at hand. I think they're going a little bit deeper than how long have you been with the company or what's your experience been like? So, Brian, I wholeheartedly agree. Those are great questions to ask. Now, the other end of this as well, if you've listened to this show a few episodes, you'll have heard me talk about the fact that, in my opinion, a workplace's culture is not something that is just talked about. It's not something that's just written in documentation. It's something that's acted upon. It's something that's lived. Think about what you're doing before your interview actually starts, right? Most people are going to show up for an interview 15 minutes earlier or so, and we're so preoccupied with thinking about the interview, making sure we're running through the questions that we think are going to get asked in our mind. We're not really paying attention to our surroundings. And this is a bit harder, obviously, in today's environment where a lot of interviewing is remote. But for anybody who is doing interview in person and has a chance to see an organization living and working, take a look at what's going on around you. Does it seem like the kind of environment that agrees with you? Is it have the energy that you need or is it a bit stilted? This is a piece of information that you can get from an interview without ever actually talking to anybody. When it comes to those initial screenings, too, with the recruiters, sometimes they're going to try to hit you with all of the perks and benefits of working for that company. One thing that I've noticed is that recruiters oftentimes will tell you about, oh, we have great work-life balance. We're very flexible with our hours. But then when you get into conversations with the hiring manager, you can see that they may be a little bit more stringent in in the expectations or the hours that you're going to work. So if they mention things like summer Fridays and things like that, they sound exciting, unlimited PTO. Those, Those all sound great, and sometimes it sounds like you've really hit the jackpot there. But one thing to consider, how often do people actually take that? And you can have all this PTO, but if folks aren't taking it, or if it's frowned upon to use that PTO, that's a little bit tougher to get at. So try to find a way to figure that out, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how you do that, but consider that as well. Yeah, and and I want to key in on something that you started with there. And I, I don't take a lot of really hard stances on this show, but one that I will take, and at the risk of alienating, Anybody who's a recruiter out there listening, and John, you know, one of uh, one of my work friend, one of our combined work friends at the office is one of our organization's recruiters. So, gonna tread a bit lightly. Recruiters are doing a job. Recruiters have a quota. They need to get people hired. So, yeah, when you're talking to a recruiter about a position, recognize that there's a little bit of a rose-colored glasses thing going on there. What they know about the organization, especially if they're a third-party recruiter might not be true to life. And you do need to look past that hype a little bit. One way that maybe you can kind of get at that a little bit is if you have an interview close to the weekend or anything like that, maybe ask folks, you know, oh, what's your availability this weekend? Or, oh, I I wanted to get that hiring manager's email address. Would you be able to send that over to me? I want to send a thank you email or something like that. An example I can give is in the past, I remember one time a recruiter actually told me, oh, well, we do have summer Fridays, so you likely won't hear anything on a Friday after two o'clock. That's a green flag for me. That's great. 
that's a, that's very much a green flag, but that's a way to validate the fact that, you know, they told me they had summer Fridays and then, yeah, no case in point. I sent an email uh, to that, to that hiring manager after two o'clock and I got a bounce back or I got a auto reply that they were out of the office. So you know, it's a, it's a good way to validate that information, but do anything that you can maybe be a little bit creative in the way that you validate things like this. Yeah, and that can be hard in today's environment where a lot of us are fueled by internet searches and social media posts. And obviously employers, especially ones that are hiring, have tapped into this and put a lot on the web about how great they are to work for. But there are ways to kind of get around the hype online as well. And one that I really like is going on LinkedIn and reaching out to not only current employees, but also any past employees as well. And it might seem a little bit internet stalkerish, but if you reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and say, hey, I see that you work for the XYZ company for a number of years, thinking about applying there, what can you tell me about it? That might be a really good way to get some real honest opinions about these organizations. And that's and that's really what it comes down to is, is honest feedback. Yeah, and it's, it can be hard to get from a current employee, but the marvel of that LinkedIn is everybody always links to their coworkers. John, I'm linked to you. Eventually, people leave organizations, but we don't cut ties on LinkedIn with those people. So if you look for a company on LinkedIn, you can see the list of employees. Click on the name of somebody with the same or a similar role to what you're applying for. See who their connections are, who might have previously worked with them, and talk to those people. Being creative, feeling like an internet sleuth. Now, another thing you can find online, things like Glassdoor and other websites, are company reviews. I don't think I'm breaking any new ground to say that we have to treat those with a, a little bit of skepticism, take them with a little bit of a grain of salt. Standard issue advice here. I like to avoid any bar none five-star perfect reviews. I think I talked about in a previous episode, actually that toxic company I mentioned at the beginning of this episode would actually have employees go and leave five-star reviews to make the company look better, which was beyond shady, but something they would do. Really creepy. It happens. So I like to avoid those. Get people fresh out of college. They'd be willing to do it, I guess. They don't know any better. It's Yeah, pretty it's, much. It's it's shady to say the least. Yeah, and it can be hard. If, if they're well written, it can be very hard to tell that they're fake reviews, but there it is. They, they can be. But at the same time, I also like to, and again, not breaking new ground here, I also try to avoid the one-star reviews because you have people that you know, legitimately and genuinely might have done a bad job and got let go or just weren't a good fit, but maybe didn't see it themselves and they're disgruntled. So they're going to leave a unnecessarily biased one-star review the same way. Now, is it easy to say, okay, just go and read the three-star reviews? Not necessarily. Usually my yardstick is going to be, well, how much effort was put into the review? Does this review seem like they're trying to grind an ax or suck up to a boss? Or does it seem like they're really trying to impart valuable information? And if you can find reviews that you think are genuine, usually they're going to be between the, the three and four-star reviews. Put a bit more weight behind those than those one or five-star reviews. Now to recap, at the very top, First and foremost, again, if you were ever thinking about checking out the job market, I cannot underscore enough. This is probably the right time to do it. And depending on your industry and skill set, you might have a very easy time finding a job. And like I said, step one, before we really pull that trigger, evaluate what it is we think we want out of a new role. 
Obviously, money's part of that, but there's a lot of other things as well. And what is it about our current job that's not giving it to us? Once we do that, big thing for me, don't just go into an interview thinking about proving yourself to a company. Make sure you're using the interview time for you to make sure that that company proves itself and its worth to you. Now, a lot of this, as many of our episodes are, is kind of hypothetical, but for the, uh, for the first time on the show, this is going to be an episode that we get to also put into practice. John? Yes, so as a bit of news on my end, uh, I've officially put in my two weeks notice and I will be starting with a new company shortly. So Incredibly sad over here, by the yes, way. Yes, I'm this sorry. Big emotional hit for me. Yes, so... As a way to put this into practice, I'm going to share my experience a little bit and we can talk about some of the steps that I took and how I may have considered some of this advice that Brian has imparted on me, this wisdom, and how I put it into practice. And and maybe some listeners out there can use some of this practical advice themselves. So, Brian, I know you're on vacation next week, so considering I just put in my two weeks... Why don't we revisit this in two weeks' time, and I could share some of my experience with the listeners out there. Sounds good. Hopefully, everybody got some good tips during today's episode. And if you think this was valuable or you want to hear more, tune in next time, and we'll hear what John has to say. Looking forward to it. And this is this is like the first time we're actually promoing the next episode. We're getting professional in here with this thing. I know. Look at us. Who would, who would have thought? <laughs> Look at us. Maybe this will be my, my next gig, professional podcaster. That, I, I'll tell you what, I keep joking about it, but we, we get enough uh, get of this under our belt a little bit. Like, I'm going to start putting it on my resume. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.